Please be advised Mental Health Mondays deals with some heavy topics and subjects, such as mental health, suicide, sexual assault and more. Please listen at your own discretion and please seek professional help if you are struggling. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Mondays. I'm your host, Ebony, and I have a very special guest with me. I'm actually going to uh, hand it over and he can give a bit of an introduction to himself. So go ahead. Well, my name is Reese, and I'm from the the Texas area in the United States. And uh, we host a podcast with my buddy called Fraternize with These Guys. And you can find me all over under Pastor Pinewood. But for today, we're just we're just going to refer to to me as Reese, because, you know, I don't want to be uh, too formal with everything going on. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy to be here and kind of happy to, to share my story with you and your listeners. Well, I'm really happy that you've decided to uh, reach out and, and come on board because everyone's story is definitely important and everyone's story is very different. Um, so what I might do is we might start from there, really, because yours is such a vast and, and different story. I might get you to start from the beginning and, and we'll just sort of go from there. Great. So uh, obviously with, with Mental Health Monday, we're dealing with, with that topic. And, and when I was in junior high, going into high school, uh, I started noticing that, and my parents really started noticing that I was becoming more and more of a night owl. And I would, I would stay up and, you know, they'd tell me to go to bed at 9.30, 10 o'clock, whatever it was. And then they'd look in at 1.30 and I was awake doing something. And it, it, it really evolved into becoming more kind of of an issue that was affecting the, the day-to-day, uh, every, every, you know, the day-to-day things I was doing in life. So you're going to high school. I had a job outside of that. I had friends, I had a girlfriend, you know, you, you try to do all those things, but it was becoming more of an issue, especially early in the mornings. I uh, was, so I was a music major going into college. And so high school, I was, I was very heavily into music. I was the drum major and I was a leader in, in that endeavor. And a lot of that stuff, stuff starts early morning. So it began to affect my life in a negative way. So we kind of started this track of feeling, figuring out what's going on uh, at night where you're not wanting to sleep. And, and kind of through high school, um, we, we didn't diagnose anything and there definitely wasn't any medication, but it was just more of a, I would lay down and getting to sleep uh, was a problem. And it would take a long time, even in the best circumstance for me to drift to sleep. And I started realizing slowly, uh, I, I didn't know what to call it then. I, I'm looking back now and I know that it was some form of anxiety and I would just go through my day and, and it would just continue to cycle. My brain just would not turn off. Uh, got through high school and then uh, as I'm, I don't know if you know, I don't want to put uh, any life experiences onto you or your listeners, but uh, whenever I was in high school, I've kind of rebelled a little bit mm-hmm. and especially my senior year going into college and I uh, got into to marijuana and some other things and a lot of alcohol. And now what that did to my anxiety is, well, I got to sleep a lot easier uh, and maybe sleep's not a great word. Maybe passing out is, is the right yeah. word. And then the next day, of course, well, you start this cycle over and uh, well, you've got to you got to have your next fix. And so I kind of find myself in this in this cycle. And through that, um, if you've dealt with any kind of mental health issues at all, you know that depression and alcohol are just like the devil's handshake uh, with each other. They, they just don't go well. And so it just we just continued this uh, this downward trend. And my sophomore year of college, um, 
I had, I had literally failed out my freshman year. Uh, my, my grade point average my freshman year at the end was a point seven. So you can imagine uh, how well I was doing in, in school. So I uh, came back my second year. They didn't kick me out for whatever reason. And uh, I thought, well, I'm going to have to get my, my act together. So I went and saw a therapist. And they put me on a, a barrage of medications. We went for about three years uh, trying to figure out what was right. I never could really get it where I felt good. I, I mm-hmm. always felt like I was, if it was, if, if the medication was working, I felt like I was just numb. And that wasn't something that I wanted to feel. And so I just quit. I just quit all medications. I quit seeing my therapist. And so that would have put me about 23, somewhere in that age. Um, and I just dealt with it for the next 10 years. And so for a decade, it was just these slumps of, uh, of binge drinking and getting sober and then binge drinking and getting sober. And it was just kind of this, this whole barrage and the depression and the anxiety never went away. It was something I just, I constantly dealt with. And eventually uh, I met my wife and she was a good influence on me. I got into the ministry. I I turned my life around. I I gave up the alcohol and, and, and the degrees I was drinking and, Things were pretty good, but I still had the nighttime anxiety. And then, of course, you add on top of that all the stupid things you did when you were drinking for the past decade. Mm-hmm. And so there was even more anxiety when I laid down all those things go through your mind. And so you just you relive all your stupid moments, that sort of thing. And the depression and the anxiety never really got any better. It just I just learned to deal with it. And then when I was 33, I had a had an injury in my right wrist on the golf course. So I felt it. I knew exactly when it happened. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I, I tweaked my right wrist and I let it go for about a year and, and it quit bothering me. And then it came back with a, with a vengeance and my wrists, we were, I was on vacation with my dad. We were in Colorado. It was high altitude. We were like 12,000 feet and my wrist swelled up and it was like four times the size of my other wrist. It was very concerning. Yes. It was concerning enough. We, we cut everything short. We went down the mountain, got some medical attention. Yeah. Um, they didn't know what to do. So went back home. I was living in Albuquerque at the, at the time. And I started this process of seeing doctors for this wrist injury. And I won't bore everybody with the details, but it took, it took six years and over set. Let's see. I had eight doctors during this time. And six years to get me finally to a rheumatologist. We went all this route. Uh, we never mm-hmm. did any surgery, but we almost did. And we couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Couldn't figure out what was wrong. Got to a rheumatologist. And she, she said, you have cerratic arthritis, which is an autoimmune issue or autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's crazy. I've, I've never had any issues before. That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, what the heck? I, we might as well try it. I've tried everything else. I've spent thousands of dollars, of the better part of a decade trying to figure this out. So she said, well, the first thing we're going to try is this, this mild chemo to get this under control. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I, I came in here for a wrist injury and now you're putting me on chemo, but whatever. So we did that and my hair started falling out, like almost within, within a week. Uh, I was just pulling it out of my hair or out of my head. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. So I went back and I, I hate to say it, but I went back mad. And, and it, mm-hmm. was, it was not a justifiable mad. I was flat angry. And I said, now my hair's falling out. And I went through the whole barrage of what was happening. And she calmed me down. And to her credit, uh, she was very, very nice and very calm because I may not have been if I had met somebody that was as angry as I was. Yeah. And she said, we're going to try a couple other things. So she put me on this next medication. And lo and behold, it worked. And it worked so well. My wrist healed. Well, it didn't heal. It felt great. And then also for years, I had been plagued with 
some neck pain mm-hmm. that I didn't really even understand that's what it was, but it was just chronic and I had just learned to live with it. And it was completely gone within like a week. And I was blown away. So I went back to her, you know, uh, went back to her and, and apologized profusely. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, I'm so sorry. You were right. This is working. So tell me how, tell me how to make this happen. Tell me what we're going to do. And she told me about this medication. I won't say the name of it uh, just for whatever reason, but she said, this is what you're on. This is what's working. And she said, it's going to be about $5,800 a month for the medication. I was like, holy cow. So she gave me all these. Yes. So I told her flat out, I said, look, my wife's a musician. I'm a pastor. That's a level of poor. I don't wish on anybody in the world. And I sure Mm -hmm. can't afford $5,000 worth of medication a month. And she said, well, we can get some help and there's some other programs. And I was like, look, even if it's 10%, I can't afford this. So she said, I've got plenty of samples. Let's get through six months and I won't charge you anything. See how you feel. I was like, cool. It's working. I feel great. So in that process, I started trying to figure out ways to alleviate psoriatic arthritis or autoimmune issues without medication. And I'm sure your audience and you know, when you're dealing with anything, mental health or autoimmune, there's always, always issues about diet, things, you know, talk about diet. Yeah. And I came across this, this doctor, his name was, uh, his name is Dr. Shafee and he is a strict carnivore. He has a strict carnivore diet. He Mm -hmm. eats, Red meat, salt, and water. And that's it. That's all he eats. And so, but he's a medical doctor. So I started watching his YouTube stuff. And uh, I hate to be a YouTube doctor, but that's what I was (laughs) for a little bit. And he started, and and some of his interviews were with people who had some autoimmune issues. And I thought, well, I've tried years of different things. That hasn't worked. I find this medication that's way too expensive. It does work. So maybe I can replicate this. So I just said, I'm going to try it for a month, for 30 days. And so I was about as strict as you can get for 30 days. I ate beef, salt, and water, and a little bit of cream cheese about once or twice a week. That's all I ate. And I was very, very good about it. I, I didn't hardly stray. The only time I strayed was when I was recording my podcast with my buddy because he makes me drink beer whenever I'm there. So I had, <laughs> had a couple of beers. But other than that, I was, I was pretty strict. And the autoimmune issue, I halved my, medica- my medication in a month. I, it, I cut it in half and it remained the same. So I cut my medication in half and I feel as good as I did at full strength. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then something really strange happened as I went into my second month. So about day, I would say 45 or 50 going into my second month, you know, coming up on, on three months, I noticed that I was sleeping almost as soon as I went to bed. And that hasn't happened to me since I was 12, maybe 13. I'm 38 now. Mm. I mean, for decades that hasn't happened. And the first couple of nights it happened, I didn't even realize it was happening. And then it kind of dawned on me one night, we were sitting on the couch and about nine o'clock, nine o'clock rolled around and I got super tired and I don't get tired like that. I just never been, never been how my body works. I got super tired. So I went to bed and I woke up the next day. I had slept for like 14 hours. I didn't get up till 11 o'clock and I was like, man, I slept really, really well. So now I'm closer to day 90 
I have no depression like I had before. And I'm not saying that this is some sort of miracle drug or maybe some of it's placebo, but I didn't go into this with the depression being an issue. Mm. I went into this as an autoimmune fix and all these other benefits have kind of come along beside of it. And I'm, I'm dumbfounded as to it working at all, number one, and also how fast it happened. I mean, we're, we're talking just a few weeks, six weeks, and I'm noticing dramatic results that for years, I just thought it was something I was going to have to live with. That's absolutely incredible. But when you say um, strict with just, just meat, like, are we talking just so not like a burger type meat, like we're talking nope. just meat. So on a, on an average day, yeah. uh, I will have, I, I only eat twice. I, I I'm so satiated by the meat um, that I, I don't eat three times or, or more. I eat two times. Yeah. I, I, I usually work out after, after uh, my staff takes their lunch. And so I usually go work out. It's about one o'clock and then I'll go home and I'll eat and I eat, I eat four eggs Mm-hmm. And I eat about a half pound of fatty meat. So like 80, 20 hamburger meat. That's what I'll eat. And then at night I try to eat a steak, nothing else. on. Just a, just a plain ribeye steak. No, that's it. And that's, wow. that's all I've eaten. The only other food I've added at all is eggs. Um, and, and that is, that is part of the carnivore diet. So it does count. Um, but I haven't added anything else. I, every once in a while, I'll add a little bit of cream cheese or some, um, or some cottage cheese, never block cheese. I try to stay away from any carbs, cream cheese and cottage cheese have a little bit of carbs, like four grams, two grams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I haven't had any sugar. I haven't had any breads. I haven't had any vegetables in, in almost 90 days. Did you ease into it or just automatically cut and just start going? So I've talked to a lot of people who have eased into it and there's some ways to kind of help along, but I'm not wired that way. If, if I'm going <laughs> to do like, something, do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And so no day one, I was like, Nope, it's just me today. And so I started and uh, I, I didn't stray from it for a while. Did you feel sick or anything having such a drastic diet change? No, no. There, there are some, there are some people who say they struggle with, with some diarrhea and some, some kind of like maybe your, your gut has to recalibrate or something mm. to, to that nutrient. I did not experience that. Um, I had a couple of days where it was a little bit like, ah, maybe don't get too far from the bathroom today, but it was definitely not anything that was, that was, it was so problematic that it was an issue. Uh, and I, I never felt poorly. I, I never felt like I, and the other thing was I never really craved anything. It was so satiating when I'd sit down to eat I'd be full. I'd be comfortably full. Wow. And I didn't want anything else. It was, it was really kind of an interesting feeling. And, and I don't know how, how you feel whenever you eat like a bready meal or pasta. And then afterwards, you just kind of like, oh, and you gotta, you gotta take a break. You almost Pasta's need my favorite food. Feel. And it's the only thing I don't like about it. <laughs> that after yeah, feeling. Yeah. You just feel like, gosh, like I got to take a little nap, you know, to digest it. Uh, that went away. And I'm, I'm not exaggerating the the first meal I had, I noticed that that was not an issue. The very first meal I had that was all meat, I was like, I feel fantastic. We can go run. After this. I, I felt great. felt great. That's absolutely incredible. Um, as I was saying before we started recording as well, I have a friend who's 
especially listening to your story now, is going through something really similar. And I'm hoping he's coming on here later down the track. But um, he's been in and out of hospitals and doctors and God knows what else for about three years now, going around in circles. No one can make a definitive answer. They said last end of last year they finally diagnosed him with Crohn's, but now they've just taken that title away from him again because his doctor left and it's a whole mess. Wow. Um, but what really struck me is that before you said that you were also having chronic neck pain and that's what triggered him to go to a doctor to begin with was the chronic really? neck pain. Really? That, that's really interesting. Was and, he having um, digestive issues also? He didn't realise he was, if that makes sense. So he, yeah. So the way he described it, and as I said, I'm I'm paraphrasing. I'm obviously not him. I I don't deal with any of that. But um, the way he described it to me was, he didn't realise he was having issues until someone pointed it out to him, because he'd had it for so long that it was just normal for him. Yes, I I can totally relate to that. I, I, that, yeah. that is precisely what happened to me. I, I felt so good after fixing the issue. I didn't even know I had. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly how um, he feels. And then you said that you started the lower dose chemo. They've just put him on those drugs now. So in the past month, he's just started um, going on what they class a lower, ca- uh, lower class chemo as well. Right. Probably a malodextrin or something like that. Something. Yeah. He's mentioned a few different things to me. Honestly, he's mentioned so many different drugs. I wouldn't know what's what anymore. <laughs> he's I, been on I feel everything. <laughs> but um, it's, it's incredible that, and obviously it doesn't always work for everyone. Everyone's different, but it's incredible that you've gone through such an ordeal to quote unquote fix the issue with dietary and then right. to also and, and, link the the depression and such as well to it that that's mind-blowing to me well it, so it was to me at first and i i kind of started going down this little rabbit hole of, of finding some other explanations especially for the depression part and something that dumbfounded me and i, I, I sorry I, I keep using that word but i really am in a state of of just complete and total amazement uh, of, of what's going on but something that, that really surprised me was we're told over and over again if you've ever gone through the depression anxiety route that there's an there's a chemical imbalance in your brain and yeah. that's what the problem is and we got to fix that chemical imbalance and i'm not i'm not a super super smart intellectual guy i mean i'm, I'm smart enough to get through college but I, I, i'm no genius but i'm able to read some of these scholarly reports there is no evidence at all that chemical imbalance in the brain causes depression. It just yep. does not exist. What does exist and what they can prove is that the brain is, is inflamed and that's what's causing some of these issues. The chemical imbalance is just a theory. The brain inflammation is that everybody holds to be true. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense that your brain becomes inflamed, not because of your brain, but because of what your body is doing. What you're putting, and yeah. so that goes directly to diet. And if, if it goes directly to diet, why are we not talking about that 
like on the very first console, when you walk into yeah. a psychiatrist's office, why is not that the first thing that you talk about? Why are they not running labs? Why are they not checking your insulin levels? There's all these things that affect your brain inflammation. And, and I, I was never told that in three to four years of, of, of monthly checkups. I was never asked about my diet or ran labs or anything like that. We just tried a bunch of different drugs. We interrupt this podcast for a quick promo break. But don't stress, we'll be back soon. I am never going to be the same again. And I thought he was going to kill me. And he did do things, you know, because I like true crime as well. And he did do things that serial killers do. And he has, you know, a collection of his victims. And I am in there. It's disturbing to think about. They say that if you mess with the bull. But I did feel uncomfortable. Yes, something about his presence just did not sit right. And I just couldn't pinpoint like what exactly was wrong with him yet. You get the horns. But if you mess with the queen bee. It's 41 physical victims. And then there's all the victims that he swindled out of money. There's the ones that, you know, he sent unsolicited pictures to. There's the ones that he stalked. There's so many others that he's harassed or creeped on online or tried to lure and just so many of us you get the hive join me courtney and me amanda for a special three-part series coming in may you know it's hard to prepare myself for like who could ever imagine being in this position you know anyone who's ever been in my shoes before like I just want to hug them because it is so hard. Like, you know, the stories, they get worse and worse, you know? And we had one the other day where it was super disturbing, a lot of these stories are. And I wouldn't be surprised if he killed someone. We will be interviewing victims of a serial rapist and bringing awareness to this, as well as joined by other podcasts for reenactments. We will be diving into narcissism, giving you tips on what to watch for, and first-hand accounts. Because I d***ed her down so good, now she's obsessed, dude. She doesn't want anybody else to have me. She doesn't want anybody else. It's her life goal to never let anybody f*** or f*** anybody ever again. That's her goal, because she's obsessed. This series will not be for the faint of heart. A Nefarious Nightmare presents Minding the Beehive surviving a serial rapist this shit should not be okay in 2022 like pedophilia rape like all the uncomfortable things that nobody wants to talk about there are people walking free getting away with every day like because of the way our system is and something needs to change it's it's not okay part one of this series available may 10th 2022 wherever you get your podcasts Remember, always mind the bees. Ninja News Japan is a podcast. It's about news from Japan. Japanese news. There's no ninjas. If you're interested in the news, this is a good podcast. If you're interested in Japan, this is also a good podcast. If you're interested in ninjas... This is not a good podcast. It's a Japanese news podcast. It's a podcast about Japanese news. There's no ninjas.
As a podcast listener, you love to listen. So imagine if you could listen seamlessly throughout every room of your home, your office, your business, or even outside by the pool. With DL, you can. Connected through Wi-Fi, DL speakers provide a high-quality audio. No matter if it's music, podcasts, books on tape, you name it. I can walk in the front door, go downstairs in my basement, and then go all the way up to my bedroom and not have to worry about any adjustments to the audio. Dio speakers are so unique, they're actually compatible with other brand speakers. So you could have five Dio speakers all across your home, and you can add other brands of speakers that are compatible with Dio. The price of Dio speakers is actually 60% lower than an entry-level Sonos speaker. Installing the speakers takes less than a minute. You can play any audio from your Apple devices simply using AirPlay 2. So what are you waiting for? To use our discount, check out dioconnect.com slash blind knowledge. That's dioconnect.com slash blind knowledge. Dio, the way to go. See, that wasn't too long. Now back to the episode. I couldn't it's agree really more, especially with um, how you were saying earlier about the anxiety in school and going down the rabbit hole of depression from an, not an earlier age. Um, right. Cause for me, myself, I've, and I've mentioned this previously, but I've been dealing with depression and anxiety since I was about 10 and just due to so many different circumstances. And every time I saw a new doctor or a new therapist, it's the same thing. It's the same set of questions and then it's, yep. should we put you on drugs or not? Yep. And if we do, what drugs? But you're right. They never, and it's the same here because obviously two different countries, but it, it's the same process. So why aren't right. we and, and going down those other avenues? Why aren't they, they, they know about it. There's enough stuff out there to talk about it. Why aren't That's we? true. I agree a hundred percent. And I, I remember talking about diet in my, maybe late twenties, early thirties and, and going through a barrage of, of, I tried, I tried to become a vegetarian. Uh, I, I come from, I come from beef raisers. My grandparents raised cows. And so for me to be yeah. a vegetarian, it was kind of like a, a shameful mark on the family a little yeah. bit, but I tried it. And so I, I'm a skeptical guy. I always want to see evidence, but I'm also willing to try a whole bunch of stuff. And so when this carnivore thing came about, I thought it was crazy, but I thought, well, I like meat. I mean, I, I can eat that. So I'll, I'll try it. And man, it's been, it's been amazing so far. And I, I, in going down that, that rabbit hole on, on finally looking at studies and looking at, at why this works and why it's doing what it's doing to your body, it's really becoming more and more apparent to me that the medical industry is either hiding things mm-hmm. or they just flat don't know. And maybe they don't know. That's, that's possible because I know nutrition is not taught in medical school. I know they mm-hmm. don't get that. But Man, it feels it feels to me almost conspiratorial because it it just it's so easy. It's right there. Everything's wrapped up in your diet. And and man, never do we talk about that. The rheumatologist didn't talk about that. All of my doctors for the pain didn't talk about that. My my psychiatrist didn't talk about that. It's just it's strange that it's taken 20 years for me to stumble across this on my own. I think the biggest issue, especially here, is the kickback from the drugs and that's as i said speaking here in australia especially we've got the private health insurance and we've got all that so they're still getting our money regardless right but it all comes down to how much money they're getting out of the drugs so if they all of a sudden go well actually you don't necessarily need these 
but and it's just it's ridiculous it's, it's that those- that's all it comes down to because this is our health we're talking about this isn't like something little yeah i i agree and and you know people who make people who manufacture drugs i'm not i don't think that they're evil people But they're not worried and concerned about people getting healthy. They're concerned about making their, making their investors money. That's, that's their concern. Well, the quota. So they, if if they can keep you on the dole for the next 40 years, you know, at $5,000 a month, whoever's Mm -hmm. paying for it, whether it's insurance or you or the state or whatever, I mean, they're the ones that benefit from that, not you and not the people who are paying for it. Absolutely. And so if there's something something cheap and easy that you can literally fix by the, the crap that we cram into our mouth, they don't want that. That that doesn't suit their purposes at all. No. And so again, I I hate to be cons- you know conspiracy minded <laughs> about it, but it sure feels that way in a, in a lot of different areas when you start looking at it. And what I like about the carnivore guys that I follow on YouTube, none of them are pushing a product None mm-hmm. of them are pushing supplements. None of them are pushing because there's nothing to supplement. You, yeah. your, your meat, salt, water. That, that's what you eat. And you can't make, can't make a whole lot of money selling supplements if you're just preaching meat, salt, and water because you don't need any supplements at that point. Do you find yourself missing certain foods? Like do you sit there and you watch someone else eat it and you're like, oh, maybe I could, might just pinch that or <laughs> that looks really yeah. good. <laughs> Well, let me give, I'll give you a caveat to the answer. I've never been a sweets guy. I I, I don't mind dessert, but it's never been something I've gravitated towards. Um, Not really. It's just, it's really not something. um, And and again, when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And so my mind is made up. And what's interesting is I'll eat a meal and I'll be full. And then my mind will, like something will pop in that I don't even enjoy. Like not too long ago in my mind, just popped up pop tarts. And I was like, I don't even like pop tarts. Why would my mind want that? And so you have to have to concentrate on those cravings, but not really. Every once in a while, I'll get a weird craving, um, but 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 not much. The only thing I need to try taking away completely is coffee. Um, I was about to say, I, does I, I drink coffee crossover to the drinks. I don't drink anything else but water. Uh, water and coffee, and coffee right now is all I drink. Yeah. And yeah, so that I, would I will my, put a little bit of my vice, not coffee. I don't drink coffee, but I've got one right here with me is the energy drinks. <laughs> so oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to stop drinking them. I was literally surrounded by like five, five cans while I'm sitting here. Not all from now. It is only 1120 where I am in the morning. <laughs> I have not had five energy drinks. No judgment here. I've, I've definitely gone through my, my energy drink phase. I, I, I hear you. It's back. I'm going to, I'm going to end up dying from the damn things. Damn. <laughs> going back down the road of the anxiety and the, and the sleepless nights and stuff like that. Cause for me, when it came to anxiety, I was very hit and miss still am. Some nights I'll be able to pass out really easily and I'll sleep forever. Other nights, not so much. I also get night terrors, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, Gosh. Yes. It's not fun. I'm going to dive further into that in another episode. But um, in relation to, for me, I always tried to seek out ways to help me sleep if I couldn't. Before you started to change the diet and such, were there options or were there ways that you tried 
to sleep or were you sort of just like you're so used to it you just left it and it was it is what it is no i was constantly trying things um i i even tried i even tried ordering a sleep supplement from alex jones because everybody talked about how wonderful it was and i was like well i don't like alex jones <laughs> try it. His sleep supplement. i'll try it so i did order it but um so i tried um i tried i tried pot i mm-hmm. tried edibles mm-hmm. uh 10 milligrams and uh, 10 milligrams was too much. It was, it was almost psychedelic for me. So I, I cut those in half and it was down to five milligrams. Those worked. Um, but I never felt the day after, I never felt like it was a, a good sleep. I always mm-hmm. felt a little bit groggy. And so I, I kind of, I, I got off those. I thought, well, I, I don't want to do that. And I'm in Texas and we can't get them legally. So, you know, if I was going to continue to do it, I was going to be breaking the ball. <laughs> break the law legal here at all i have i've definitely (laughs) tried it but i'm the same if i if i did have it i would wake up groggy and i'd feel gross the next day and i just couldn't right so i suppose it's probably a good thing it's not legal here (laughs) i enjoyed it while being on it but after that i'm like (laughs) no yeah i i don't i'm a libertarian i I don't care you do you you know it doesn't it doesn't make any difference but it just it wasn't what i was looking for uh, I've been a beer drinker since I was in high school. And so beer's pretty, I'm used to it. I know mm-hmm. what it does to me and I know how many. So I could have two to four beers and pass out and feel pretty good the next day. Okay. Uh, the problem was I do that four days in a row and it just, I just didn't like it. it I didn't feel good and it doesn't look good when mm-hmm. you're buying two or three six packs a mm-hmm. week. You know, if somebody's really and that doesn't look good. And it's not like we were sitting at home getting drunk, but, but you, you've got faded enough where you could, you could go to sleep. Yep. Um, and so other than that, I try, I do everything, turn off the phone about an hour before, don't eat, read a book, turn off the light. And I'd lay there and I would just know that at least 45 minutes to an hour and a half, that's how long I'm going to have to lay here before I fall asleep. And so for yep. years, that's just what I, I just, I just cope with it. It's funny you say that because, um, when I first started opening up about not being able to sleep, obviously back then, because I've had it for so long, I didn't really know it was anxiety. But um, when I first started opening up about it to my friends and that, that was the first thing they said was, just drink yourself to sleep. (laughs) You'll be fine. I'm like, well, I'm a bourbon whiskey drinker. Do you know how expensive that would be for me to drink that every damn night? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I um, am. that it creates. I mean, it just, you wake up, you don't feel good. You no. go, you know, you trudge through your day, get home. And the first thing you want to do is take another drink. So you feel a little bit exactly. better. Exactly. And I grew up with two alcoholic parents. So I've seen what alcohol can do yeah. to people. And the last yeah, thing I wanted to do that. was to become them. So absolutely. when people kept saying that to me, I'm like, especially people who knew my background, I'm like, how can you tell someone to drink that much on a, on a daily basis or, or weekly basis or whatever the case is? But it took me, fuck, what are we now, 2022? It took me till mid-COVID and lockdown for me to find something. I'm, I'm 29 now, so it's taken me, God knows, most of my life to find something to help me sleep. And, of course, of all the damn things, it was music. Um, really lo-fi lo-fi music the tone and not having most of them not having any lyrics yeah something about it that just tweaked 
and I was just able to sleep if I've got the headphones on, black room, nothing around me. It just helped me go to sleep straight away. And I was like, this is insane because I was always a fan of lo-fi music anyway, but I never thought to listen to it before bed because usually music, I'll, I'll be up all night. I, I adore music. It's my world. But um, to come across something so unheard of because I don't know a lot, of, especially like a lot of my friends here don't even know what lo-fi music is. Right, right. And for me to just come across it, by accident, I was just absolutely mind blown that something so simple could do such a drastic change to my life. Right. And I feel like that's the same I, with you I, in relation to the the diet. It's like something so simple makes such a drastic change. Right. Now, I I, I do use white noise at night. I use a mm-hmm. fan. Uh, I, I can't hardly sleep without it. So I, I feel oh, you a little my bit My fan there. is always on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's never not a fan. <laughs> right. But no, I... I so I'm, I keep, I keep getting asked by people, you're kind of the oddball whenever you don't eat any salad or any, you know, the veggies, whenever you go through the, and we're Baptist and I don't know if you know anything about Baptist, but we like to eat. And so every time we get together, there's a meal available. So you have to answer the questions, what you're doing. And, and I, they keep asking me when I'm going to start adding stuff back in. Um, a lot of people will do this diet for 90 days or 120 days, and they'll start slowly adding in other foods to see what their body can tolerate. And I don't miss anything really. And I, I don't really see a need to add a bunch of stuff back in. I, I am going to get my blood blood work done after 90 days. Um, yeah. I've always been relatively healthy. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And if I need to add, you know, a multivitamin to kind of sort of take care of some mm-hmm. of those issues that are deficient, I will. Uh, but some of these guys that I've, I've listened to have been doing this for decades. I mean, 11, yeah. one, one doctor has been doing it for 11 years. The other has been doing it for 19 and their blood works great every time it comes back. So I, I don't see deficiencies with it. And I don't know if I really want to start adding anything back. I like what I'm doing. I feel great. And I just, I don't see any point in to start adding things back. Mm-hmm. Cause I, if I could bottle this feeling, I'd be a billionaire in a year. Yeah. Because it, if, if you could take a pill and feel this way, there's, there's not a person on earth that wouldn't buy it. Yeah. it, it it's, it's absolutely incredible. It, it, it's amazing. That's fantastic. And it's so rare to hear these days someone to get to that point. You know, it's, it's yeah, I couldn't be happier for you. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm, I am happy. And, and this is my first interview that I've done with anybody. I don't know if I'll do any more, or, but it's, it's something that I feel people should know about. Mm-hmm. And I would say at the very beginning, if, if somebody wants to just kind of dip their toe, cut out sugar, cut out any kind of sweetener that you have. If you just cut out sugar and then maybe go to the next step, we'll cut out breads and pastas. And I know, I know a lot of people are like, well, if I'm already in pain and that's the one thing that brings me comfort, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, look, Ebony, we're adults. I don't want you to have to live your whole life miserable. <laughs> yeah. Suck it up. Go go just for a couple of months and just try it. Just try it. You have you literally have nothing to lose except for your every once in a while a, a, a nice bowl of pasta that, that is poisoning your body anyway. Probably I don't know if that's really true, <laughs> but it just it seems like it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, give it a whirl, man. It it it, it, it can't hurt. It, it can only help. And if you don't like it, well, then, you know, you can go right go back there. to your pizza and pasta. Yeah. No problems. <laughs> I got to hand it to you because I know 
once again with the cultural differences america versus australia even just having my like my friends if i was to do that would be egging me on all the time um i know and forgive me if i'm wrong i'm purely going by what i've seen and what i've been told by other people over there but you guys have such a culture around food in relation to you guys all getting together and it's such a community type thing and and you know everyone brings something and and that sort of thing which don't get me wrong we have that here but it's from what i can see it's nowhere near the same thing do you find it harder right. especially in um like churches and stuff like that once again going by what i've seen when everyone gets together is it harder because there's so many people in that community that that's bringing the food and you're surrounded by the food and questions and like does it ever get overwhelming having all that around you all the time let me let me start by the the food issue is I, I think there's something there's something to our core to sit around with people that we know and that we love and to to break bread to share a meal. Uh, I I don't mean to get to get religious on anybody, no. but if you if you look at the New Testament and you look at all the times Jesus really shared with his apostles, he's always he's always eating with them. You know, at the Last Supper, you got the the wedding at Cana is his first miracle. Mm-hmm. And then also after he's resurrected and he, he forgives Peter on the beach, there's this little, there's this little thing in there. It, he makes them breakfast. Like he sits down at the beach and makes them breakfast. There's something about eating together that, that is, it's part of our being. And, and it, mm-hmm. it, that there's a reason that it, it's so congealing for us. Um, it's a personable experience. And so you're sharing that with people. And to answer your question, I thought it was going to be more of an issue than it, than it actually is. But once you make that statement once to somebody, typically they don't ask anymore. They don't, they don't judge you anymore. They will ask questions, but they don't typically judge you anymore. And if they're friends of yours, they shouldn't. And if they do, and it's a constant problem, well, then they just don't eat with them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> probably get, you need to get rid of that person in your life anyway. You need but, new friends. Uh, <laughs> correct. And, and then that also gives you an opportunity to share what you're doing. Yep. So, you know, take, take somebody who, who is a, a, is an ad vegan. And, and I know that in Australia for a while, veganism was kind of the big thing. It's and still, so that was, yes, uh, it's definitely still got um, a bit of prevalence to it here. More so because I'm from Melbourne. It's definitely more of a Sydney, New South thing, but it's okay. definitely uh, a lot bigger than it was, say, five, ten years ago. It's definitely okay. popping up everywhere. That's for sure. Just imagine, I mean, they, they eat that way and then they talk about it. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you don't know if you're around a vegan, just wait 10 minutes. They'll tell you. Oh, they'll tell you. Vegans <laughs> cross, will let you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. My uh, manager at work is a vegan and I know all about it. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. And so uh, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to poo-poo the vegans, but, but no. everybody's like that. If, if you got mm-hmm. something that's working for you, that you're passionate about, you know, be it religion or your your political stance or your diet or whatever it is mm-hmm. you're going to tell people about it that's just that's just who how we're wired is to share something that we're excited about and and you want the people around you to be excited for you and i'm telling you if if your friends are not excited for you whenever something good happens in your life you really need to question those relationships mm-hmm. because absolutely. that's usually not good absolutely i mean in the end that's why we all podcast isn't it like we're sharing yeah, the experiences. We're talking about whether it be good or bad. It's 
something we want to talk about regardless. Yeah. And isn't it interesting how our uh, quote unquote, some of our quote unquote friends have no desire to, to listen, to engage mm-hmm. or to support whenever we do those things. Yeah. Interesting is one word for it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no all too well about that one. Yep. Um, well, since we're getting closer to that wrap up time, is there anything else you wanted to bring up, go down any roads you haven't crossed over yet? Let me, let me just, let me just deal with two that, that I dealt with at the beginning mm-hmm. and that really kind of leveled themselves off. The first one is cost. A lot of people will say, well, like, especially now that, that beef prices, lamb prices have gone crazy. Well, so beef, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, am going to eat two ribeye steaks a day. It's going to cost me $50 a day. You know, I can't spend that. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> cost wise, understand one, you can buy ground beef still pretty cheap and, mm-hmm. and get the cheap cut, get 73, 27 or 80, 20. It's pretty cheap. You want all the fat you can get. You want a high fat, high protein meat. So ground beef and butter. And you're cutting out all the other stuff that you buy in the grocery store. And so you cut all that out and you're buying just meat. It's really not any more. I'm actually saving a little bit of money every Mm. month in my grocery bill eating this way. And I'm eating a ribeye steak probably four to five times a week. So I'm not, I'm not cutting anything out. I'm eating better than I did. And I am saving a little bit of money. So that's first and foremost. And then the other part is um, obviously we don't have time to get into it, but the, the ethics around eating meat is highly contested. And that was one of the, that was one of the questions I had for you at the very beginning of this was, is this something you want to wade into? Is this something you want to kind of avoid uh, just not to get anybody you know riled up? I come from a farming ranching background. I, I see firsthand what it takes to raise an animal Mm -hmm. and to put an animal down and to consume that animal. Um, The CAFO operations that, that that everybody knows about are horrendous. And and I don't think that's something we should be striving for. However, the regenerative, the regenerative way of pasturing meat that is blooming in America. And I believe is also taking hold in Australia. There's a guy mm-hmm. named uh, Jeff Lawton that I have followed for years that's doing some regenerative agriculture in Australia. Mm-hmm. There is such an amazing opportunity there that not only could we feed the world, but if you're concerned about your carbon footprint and global warming and climate change, there is a lot of evidence that, su- that suggests that growing grasslands that support ruminant animals is hugely advantageous in, in that process. And so I'm still working out how, how this all can kind of cycle together. Yep. But I, I, I believe that this kind of a diet for a lot of people could support everyone and, and, and could benefit everyone. Not everybody's going to be a carnivore, obviously. Not everybody's mm-hmm. going to eat just meat. But I don't think that there's anything ethically wrong because of all these other benefits and Maybe that's something that that I'm going to be talking about more in the future because I am pretty I'm pretty adamant about that and yeah. I, I really see some some light at the end of the tunnel. No, I've got to agree with the ethics side of things. I definitely agree. Um, my grandfather was a dairy farmer and an ex boyfriend of mine um, was also a cattle farmer. So I've been in and around farms on and off most of my life, and I've seen every stage, whether it be dairy, whether it be, I hate using the word slaughter, but that's what it is, whether it be slaughtering, whether it be 
whatever it is, I've seen it and I've been around it. And that's part of the reason why I do still eat meat and, and I'm not vegan. And I think a lot more people need to be a bit more open-minded and sort of do a bit more research before they start getting the pitchforks and, and torches and, and start running after people. Right. But and I can look, definitely I, see I where get, you're coming from. I get it. Look, I, I raised chickens. I've raised chickens all my life. I've raised pigs. I hate putting animals down. I do. I, it's not anything that, that's enjoyable. I'm one of the biggest animal people you'll ever meet. Yep. Yeah, yep, <laughs> I, I know the feeling. But our goal for our cows on our farm is we want we want those cattle to have the best life possible and to have one bad day. Yep. And and that's that's the goal. And yep. every time you eat something, whether you're a vegan or a carnivore, every time you eat something, something has to die for you to eat. Whether exactly. it's a carrot or a rabbit or a cow, something has to die for you to live. And so I'm not going to start making moral judgments on yeah. what is okay, what's not okay. All I know is I want to make it the best possible for the human existence that, that I have on this planet. And I, I'm leaning towards this being the best possible way. Well, that's, that's all you can ask for in the end. I mean, ultimately, in the end, if, if you're happy and it's making the changes you need, then screw what anyone else thinks. Because in the end, it's Absolutely. you and it's your life. So that's... That's all that matters in the end. Yes. And if we can benefit the world in doing that, even, even better. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to take a while with some people, but <laughs> it'll, yeah. we'll get there one step at a time. <laughs> right. Well, with that being said, I might start to wrap up. So thank you so much for being on the episode. I really appreciate it. It's been a really good conversation. Absolutely. I've had a, I've had a great time. And like I said, this is my first one. And uh, what, a, what, a great, what a great introduction. I could do this. I could do this all the time. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything you wanted to say or get out there before we click end? <laughs> no, uh, I would say I'm not a medical doctor and there are, there are wonderful doctors. Again, be the YouTube sleuth and go out and find some, but Dr. Barry, Dr. Chafee, Dr. Salomino, th those guys, any question you have about the carnivore diet, that's the place to go check out. Perfect. Well, with that being said, thank you everyone for listening and you'll hear from me in a week. Um, if you're welcome to come back anytime you like as well, it's not an issue. <laughs> so with thank that you. being said, we'll say goodnight to everyone. Thank you for listening to Mental Health Mondays. If you or anyone you know has a story to tell, whether that is mental health related or even just an anecdote for my other episode in the week, Sweet and Sour Nuggies, please get in touch with us via email or via our social links. You can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at ssnuggiespod, that is S-S-N-U-G-G-I-E-Z pod, or you can email us at nuggiespod at gmail.com. Once again, this has been your host Ebony and thank you for listening.